three in the shot that close? That's crazy. It's crazy technology. That's crazy. Technology is so nuts, man. 2019, man. It's nuts. We are live. Look at we us. Live where? Look at us. On the internet. Look at us. How we be here. The World Wide Web. Um, we were just here, actually. We were just recording a podcast, like the last thing I did when I was awake. And now we're here. We are again. Back to back podcasts. We get a podcasts. lot of podcasts now. The life you've signed up for, pal. This is the life. Hey, I wouldn't have signed up for any other. This yeah. is the, the life. Welcome in, everybody, to the Winner's Lounge. I guess we're actually in the Winner's Studio, not the Loser Lounge today. Uh, the DNVR Nuggets office. I'm, of course, Adam Mattis. I'm joined by Harrison Wynn, Brendan Vogt. Of course. Adam Mars, of course. Brendan, you, you want to take that uh, McDonald's face. coffee off, off the table? Please. All right. We can have it on. Why not? Actually, you know what? I meant to grab a beer before coming on. Gosh dang it. I can't believe I forgot this. This is a special episode, a bonus episode. Maybe I'll send Super Producer Gail to grab beer. Super Producer. <laughs> He's like, Jesus, man. <laughs> He's on it. Literally just Kale's started. Kale Sober. Kale, can you grab three while you're at it? <laughs> Avalanche Ale, thank you. You're listening to the DNVR Nuggets Podcast with your hosts, Adam Mares, Brendan Vogt, and Harrison Wynn. Um, so we're coming into you live today, guys, on Periscope. We haven't done one of these for a while, but the sneaky truth has been that other than this last road trip in which Brendan Vogt and you, you guys are both out of town for, the Nuggets have been in Denver for most of this year, so we haven't been able to do a ton of live shows, but coming up in January especially, they're going to be on a road a lot. We'll probably utilize these live shows, live mailbags and everything else. So first things first, look at that. Avalanche a lot a- in the middle of the quarter. Avalanche. Avalanche. I'll take the uh, Porter. Yeah. Um, so today, we're sent- no, no, it's okay. We're we're gonna be answering uh, mailbag questions. So send us all of your mailbags, um, or all of your questions on Twitter or Periscope, wherever is easiest for you, and we'll try to get to those. Um, today, guys, I want to start yesterday's show. If you haven't listened to it, you can check it out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We talked about the win over the Blazers, which I think there was. I think it was a really good episode, in yeah. large part because when good things happen, it's easy to talk about the Nuggets. When shots fall, as Harrison says, it's all yeah, I mean, it's all roses. A lot of three pointers falling can can make a big difference for, for sure. sure. New York felt great too. I wish I could have done a pod <laughs> with you guys after that. Uh, but I want to start today's pod by a fun one. So we are on December thirteenth. Yeah, December fifteenth is the official um, holiday of this of the patron saint Nikola Jokic, who uh, <laughs> um, was born on December fifteenth. Actually, literally, yeah, yeah literally, well, he was as, conceived immaculately. As was this era of Denver Nuggets basketball, and I think <laughs> it feels like the Nuggets are in the process of having a December fifteenth moment. Um, it and what I mean by that is. The early part of the season, while it's been a success, fifteen and eight, um, uh, in some some success, it has, hasn't felt like they've gotten over a hump. But I kind of feel like they are maybe a day or two away from it. I think there were. I don't think December fifteenth moment was was last night, but I felt like there were some December fifteenth type vibes going on, just with the offense looking great for the first time in a while, with Porter's probably most significant stretch mm. where he was firmly in the rotation and he had hit a, a couple threes hit, hit, had a moment and was also like a part of a bench unit that played <laughs> <Yeah>. good basketball <laughs> yeah. and we you know? and to hear Malone's comments and then subsequently yeah. Michael Porter Jr's comments they were seemingly on the same page and they like Malone showed confidence in him and that goes a long way so I, I, I felt like there were a lot of December 15th vibes last night but I don't think that was the moment. No, I don't think so either. But I do th- love the point that Brendan brought up, which was that 
The MPJ thing has felt like a mystery so far. Sure. Is he going to play? Is he not? What's going to happen? Malone, it seems like, and we it's only been one game, so we shouldn't – I guess two. He's actually played in the last two. He played in yeah. Philadelphia as well. Yeah. It seems Phil- like – Philadelphia was different, though, because it was more inconsistent. He played – in the, the first half and then didn't get into the fourth and but it, that's it was the, a little more up and down. But that's the new I think that's actually sort of the new model, right? Is he gets in to start the second and to start the fourth. Mm-hmm. They bring other guys in in the first and the third, but it, it, that might be it. Um but I think more to the point, everything that was said after the game, it it sounds like there's no more messing around. At least for now, like if, look, 10 games of, of this and he's playing terrible, of course they'll yank it. It'll be like Isaiah Thomas. But it seems like right now we're in that stretch where it's like, okay, we're just going to ride or die with him, and this is a good stretch, I guess, to do that. Yeah. So if we're looking for a December 15th Yeah, moment, so what, what could it be? What do you, what so do you think? So I feel like it could be two things. Two things come to mind. One is kind of the culmination of Saturday and Sunday's games together in one. A close a, game. A back-to-back against the Thunder and the Knicks when Denver just looks great for two games okay. in a row and the offense pops and Porter plays well in the rotation. Those two together, I think, could be a moment. The other one is at the Lakers next week. Um, if Denver was to get a God, win there a and come out and beat the Lakers in L.A. and Porter plays well, that's probably your December 15th moment. What about the big three, if you will, the big young three playing well at the same time? Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. We haven't seen that. That's yeah, just seen, a game where that happens. Right, and even their their good performances have been somewhat fragmented. Jamal and Jokic closed the year on the same page last season. And oh, so yeah. How about a game where that, that two-man game is just all they need? Not even two-man game. The ball is popping. Ball is I mean, popping, there could be sure. a game, and look, it happened against the Knicks because it's the Knicks. <laughs> but, I mean, a real game, maybe Oklahoma City or something like that, where Minnesota even, where it's just like – this team can't be stopped, and we've seen we haven't seen them hit that peak consistently, but we have seen it in little bits. I do think there is a game against a real competition where that I, I feel like we're close to that happening. Here's another way a December 15 moment could happen: if the Nuggets are in a close game and Porter closes out the game. Oh wow! Ooh, if Porter's on the floor <laughs> in winning time, I don't see it either. But that would be so like momentous that it would have to be in the that December 15th class. Part of why it would be tough is because whose minutes would he take? Well, it would have to be a scenario where, like, Gary Harris is 0 of 8 from 3 or something, or, or like, Will Barton's playing really poorly, or Denver goes, like, super small for some reason. They're playing, I don't know, like a Memphis or something. Could you see a scenario – I don't this is a tough one. Could you see a scenario in which a player like Gary Harris or Will Barton told Malone, like, no, let him – you know, three minutes left, Porter's having a moment, he's playing well, and, and one of those two guys says, no, no. You mean Malone – goes to Gary and says, go get Mike. And he says, no. And he just says, you know, like, no, let him, let him do this one. Like, you know, like I want a not yet, not Me yet, Me not neither. yet. Maybe it in, would be a cool moment if it did. But. Yeah, maybe. Actually, I don't know if I could ever see that. I was going to say in maybe th- three months or so, but I don't know. Maybe Barton, but not, I don't know. Probably. Yeah, yeah probably, probably, I don't know. Probably not. Maybe Millsap too, but I, I don't, I don't. I could see either. Millsap because he just wants to just take the rest of the game off. Yeah. <laughs> I have, so uh, I think a couple different things could happen. Um, 130 point game, 140 point game. Teams are having those this year. 150 mm-hmm. point games even. I don't think Denver's going to do that, but just one game where the, the doors really just get blown off. 
I could see that one of those games, especially with some of the competition coming up. But here's my actual. Oh, go ahead. Well, it, it can't actually happen on the fifteenth, right? Because I was going to say they already had that game and it was against the Knicks. If you do it against I'm sorry. the Knicks, oh yeah, does it count? I mean, well, do, they, do they need to do it against a, a formidable opponent? Well, I am going to make a prediction, and it is that it's going to happen on the fifteenth, okay. December fifteenth, against the Knicks, because I think the biggest sort of monkey off the back moment for the Nuggets is for Michael Porter Jr. to actually play well and to have it, and not just like oh he hit a couple shots, but to have a a, a game, game, a moment, a twenty-point right. game, or yeah, a, a quarter where it's just like, man, everybody's on the benches, just like waving the towel and just like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I first of all, we know he wanted to have that in the second quarter last he night. He almost did. Yeah, I think all those he shots was that pull-up so three shot away, away from yes. it happening. You're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. I, but I think what I think we have one of those, and look, the Knicks do provide a perfect <laughs> opportunity yeah. for it. It's the second night of a back-to-back. I think you look at that and go, Michael Malone probably plays the bench a little bit more in that game, just. Because it's a bad opponent and because it's the second night, I think December 15th this year we can get a monkey off the bat game from from Michael Porter Jr. in a way that's like, okay, we're done with the musical chairs. I think that's a good point. I want to push back on that because the Knicks don't matter. And like I wish you could filter out all of Denver's stats this year without right. the Knicks game in it because it's honestly skewing a lot of the Nuggets' stats. But it could be the December 15th moment because it's – the thing with Porter, it's bigger than just like one one game. It's bigger than you know Denver just winning a game against a really bad Knicks team. It means a lot more than that. But you know why you, the the moment where he got pulled out of the game, and I don't think it was because of this, but Michael Porter Jr. in the fourth quarter the other night drives to the free throw line, pump fakes, and then throws the ball out of bounds. And to me, that was such a moment of like, yeah, that's MPJ right now. He's so like wrapped up in what he's supposed to be doing and, mm-hmm. and he's just thinking so hard. I think if he has a 20-point game, or heck, why can't he have a 30-point game against the Knicks? Like, he's a scorer. He's a volume scorer. When they start going in, they go in in bunches. A 30-point game, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, exhale, okay, sure. I'm over that hump, and now I don't second-guess everything. And the bench played so well in that Knicks game. So if he's getting extended run when when they're getting stops and getting out and running, as you guys have pointed out, he plays better in chaos, I think, than half-court sets for now. So Definitely. Yeah, so uh, he can kind of wreak havoc in that environment. Could the Knicks game be a load management game? Oh, absolutely. I think it will <laughs> back be. Back-to-back I think it home. will be. Maybe no Millsap in that game. That, um, that's another reason Porter could yeah, play abs- big minutes. No doubt about it. Um, so do you remember? You said he can't be against the Knicks at December 15th moment. What was the actual no. December 15th game? Do you remember who they played? Can't say I do. I can't either. Who was it? That's a good I, point. I th- actually, I do remember now. Only because it was the Slinger game. It was Portland. The one-handed Slinger from the Yoker. Mm-hmm. Um, the only – we didn't know what – when December 15th happened, we didn't know. That was – we found that we, out in, high, in hindsight, no, we did. Well, we did know for one reason. So actually, that's funny because I think about the history of this a lot. Jokic, and remember playing alongside Nurkic, he kind of had a November like this where it – it was clunky and it wasn't working. But then also just even off the bench, he was okay, but he wasn't playing a ton of minutes. In the start of December, he started to play really well. Went to Orlando. He had a great game off the bench. Went to Dallas. Had a great game off the bench. And December 15th was the like, okay, he's starting. And so we kind of did know because it was such a moment of like, We finally. knew it could be something. But yeah. obviously we needed to wait a month to see if it was it, that. Right. I mean, it's like a holiday now yeah. for yeah. Nuggets fans. Because, it, because they went on that run. Um, but I do think it was, so it was Portland and I guess they were pretty good. So that counts a little bit more than the Knicks. I, I think Michael Porter Jr. Having a big game would be a big, no, a big I, I agree. I think it can be against the Knicks because I don't think it's about the quality of opponent. It's about Porter having that first big game. Yeah. And that doesn't matter who it comes against because for, for him, you know, it's, it's going to be about his confidence and, and just 
experiencing scoring 20-plus for the first time. How about another one? What about just a Jokic breakout game? He's had a couple big scoring games lately, but what about if Minnesota, um, he drops 40 or 35, or just 35-point triple-double? Just We've seen Jokic have some really good games lately, but we haven't seen quite a, one of those quintessential dominant games. One of those? Do you think that could be the December? Like a Suns-like game? You a Suns-level, yeah. Yeah, yeah def- but the only thing, I think we've seen Jokic start to get it, get it going now. So I just want to see that permeate to the rest of, of the but, but the 20 offense. points is a little different than, sure. like, say, five threes. Sure. And he has 35 points, and it's like his three-point shot's back. That, if it's, that's different. The three-point shot thing would be huge, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would be big. Think be about big. how differently we're thinking about Jeremy Grant now, two games in a row of great three-point shooting. There's a lesson in there somewhere. Just how this just changes game to game. It's man, so funny, no, no, man. No, I think the lesson is probably that he's not going to shoot 9 of 13 he's over two the, game stretches. one of the often. streakiest shooters in the league, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Very streaky shooter. Yeah. Um, uh, before we start going to mailbag questions, I, I do want to ask maybe some other predictions for this homestand because the Nuggets have four more games left mm-hmm. on this, and I think we all kind of agree that's an important – there's some soft games they should win. Do you think we see any of the young guys <laughs> – Jared Vanderbilt, Vlatko Chanchor, ball, ball, ball over over the stretch. Is there any chance you just get him those token garbage time minutes? I think Vanderbilt's the one guy who could. Um, if I'm Vanderbilt, I'm sitting in the G League like, come on, give me a shot here. Like, it's my second yeah. year in this thing. Like, He's not uh, talked about. No, yeah. Those fans aren't talking about him very much. <laughs> Jared, they did that, uh, like, get to know Jared Vanderbilt montage on the Jumbotron yesterday. And I turned to vote, and I'm like, Honestly, I, I forget Vanderbilt's on this team sometimes do. because he's, he's kind of the one guy that's forgotten a little bit, and he's talented, man. It, it just seems like it was hard enough to get MPJ on the court. <laughs> so you know true. what I mean? Yeah. No, it's, it's Anything an impossible like task. So, so let's say there's load management against the Knicks and the Nuggets are up 20. Yeah. Um, I think it's Vanderbilt, yeah. But what about Wancho? I mean, to your point, does Malik not play? Does Wancho not play? I mean, to get those guys in – you're either playing all of those guys or you're skipping someone and just being like, yo, Vando hasn't played yet. Let's get him in. Yeah, I mean, the the three guys you mentioned, Bull, Chanchar, Vanderbilt, I think Vanderbilt's most likely to play. But, yeah, I mean, if you're up 30 against the Knicks in the second half, yeah, I mean, p- play those guys. Do you think we see Vanderbilt or Chanchar at all? Not no. a single minute. No. I think Vanderbilt could play. There's just guys – that's that like need those minutes when they can get them just to satiate people and keep them happy. And but I, think, I mean, like, right now, would you rather be playing Wancho or Vanderbilt in a 30 point game right now? Vanderbilt. Right. Me too. I mean, I, I think that's an easy choice. There's a weird thing where like we're into this part of the season and I think the nuggets have to decide on both on Beasley and Wancho. Just yeah. like, are you going to keep playing them? Or are they well, I think they've are... decided on Beasley and, and they've, they want to have decided on Wancho too. I think Porter this is being a, in this thing now. A great segue to some questions, but should, do we are we there yet, or do you want to keep? The only thing I was I just want to put a button on the bull bull thing. I don't think he's going to play. But we talk about a fan base that is low on the fifteen and eight Nuggets right now, and just people are like not experiencing fun. Is there a better way to have some fun than if you go five and zero oh on this road trip, and in that fifth game at the very end, bull bull <laughs> enters the game for the first time? Yeah. Is there is I know I know this is kind of silly, but from just a marketing perspective, a five game winning streak with Bowl Bowl getting in and, and doing something. Yeah, it's like oh wow, we won five games in a row, but look who we've got on yeah. the end of our bench. <laughs> and that, honestly, that Vanderbilt check in was that moment, right? It was. it was like a peak of a certain specific type of hype in the season. Yeah, yeah it absolutely was. And and one thing we know, Bowl Bowl gets clicks. 
And if you want to talk about what is Nine News going to be talking about in their sports segment, a 5-0 Nuggets run, maybe it's mentioned. Bull Bull checks into the game. The 5-0 run is definitely <laughs> mentioned, and Bull Bull highlights are coming on. So yeah. let's go to it. Yeah. We have them coming in. Yeah, Send we, us your questions. Yeah, uh, Periscope, coming. Twitter, keep them coming. Uh, this one comes to us from JB Denver Sports. Does Malik Beasley finish the year as a Denver Nugget? If not, is Bodon Bogdanovich an upgrade over Beasley? This is on DNVR, right? The DNVR, right? Correct. Um, so these questions always, anytime we do a mailbag, these ones will always be first. Um. Oh no! This I'm sorry. This is from Twitter. This is not. Oh, I botched it. Yeah, botched it. We need the DNVR one We got first. a couple here. Oh, this is great podcasting here. Waiting for this one. Oh, it's live. Yeah. Uh, Miroslav oh, asks. Oh, what is the best asset the Nuggets? This is along the same lines. What is the best <laughs> asset the Nuggets could get for a package of Beasley, Wancho, and Plumley expirings? So, best package for all three of those. Those. That's an interesting one because the Plumley contract allows you to get a good player because good players have make a lot of money. Beasley and Wancho to me are two are. A B plus asset and probably a C plus asset, a B minus one. I still believe in Wancho. Um, I believe in Wancho a lot. I believe in him less outside of Denver, though. See, I actually believe in him more. Really? Wancho has looked his best when the ball is popping. For whatever reason, the ball's popped less yeah. and less over years have gone. But I think Wancho, I mean, he's a spur, he's a, he's a warrior. He's a team that where the ball gets – like, imagine him on the 2016 Golden State Warriors as, mm-hmm. like, one of the guys off the bench. He would yeah, fit in Yeah, it'd have to be the right situation for sure. But there's value to that. And a lot of teams talk themselves into we're going to have this balanced approach. So the goal, obviously, is to consolidate, right? Turn this into one kind of player that, that helps the bench. But also, more importantly, you free up a path for MPJ and guys to find their rhythm. Beasley, Plumley. I mean, is there, like, a J.J. Redick trade in there? We talked about that. that so all three guys, I think – Maybe it's too rich for JJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, it'd be, I think it'd be two of those guys. I mean, maybe if it's for Reddick, it's just Beasley. Is Reddick a guy you want? <laughs> let me let me put it this way: you that trade you just talked about takes one person out of the rotation, Mason Plumley. Two guys that are already out. Yeah, you maybe so that means maybe you slide Jeremy Grant to backup center, um, and then you open up a little bit so you can move some guys down the line a little bit. But there's still like is Tory Craig playing in this? This fixture is MPJ struggling. Right. You know? And the the issue with Reddick is he's what? Six three, six four. Very, yeah. His team is already small on the perimeter. And he'd have to play some three because like that's just how the Nuggets roster would sort out. Murray, Harris, Barton, you've got to play those guys. Reddick would be like fourth in line there. And it's you, not a lot of minutes and you're very small. And that consistent shooting I mean, don't you just get that if you play Malik Beasley more? You know, I know that that comes yeah, with its true. own. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So it does, it's just, it's you weird. You kind of get something that you already had if yeah. you wanted it. Yeah. yeah so I'm not sure. JJ Redick is, is different than everyone else, though, because he is a guy that everyone knows is a great shooter. And I there is something to this. I think a lot of the Nuggets' problems on offense are, are not all of them, but are that when guys start making shots, everything gets easier. And so if you added a guy that just makes tough shots – you know, I do think that will help open up some of the other stuff that it would help open up the easy shots. But there's another guy I actually think maybe I would be willing to trade all three of those guys for mm-hmm. who is shooting like 47% and who I just watched this morning on Twitter practicing his 40 footers and nailing every single one. Yeah, I saw the that. The greatest too. shooter possibly in the game right now, Davis Bertans. 
Ooh. Yeah, that's not an, everybody right now is like what? Who? No, no, no. Nuggets not killer. An, Nuggets killer. Nuggets Davis Bertans. We know Davis Bertans well from his Spurs days. We yeah. know him well. Um, but you know what's funny is the Spurs. I think spurred him. They like they did that thing where he's actually a lot better yeah. than what he showed because he had to be a system guy out there. Yeah. Davis Bertans was a killer in Europe. He was like he was like uh, I mean he looks like, he kind of looks like a goofball, but he was a Kevin Durant of in Europe. He's mm-hmm. a killer right now. He is. He's on a very good offensive Washington team that nobody predicted to be good, but he is just lighting it up from three at like eight or nine attempts a game. So 46.5%. So it's an interesting thing because Davis Bertans is one of those, like I think, good scheme defender, like whatever, but he's not a rim protector. He's not. Mason Plumlee provides something defensively that he doesn't. And rec- asking Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant to play backup center minutes is sort of a tall, you know, a bit of a, a risky task. But you know what? You want to talk about a stretch four that is going to unlock a lot of what Denver mm. wants. Davis Berton's the best way to describe him is he is what Jeremy Grant was these last two games. Every game. <laughs> Every single game. Five of six if he gets those looks, which he wouldn't because teams would yeah. be guarding him. But Jokic would yeah. be getting wide open shots. Davis Berton's, I would be willing to part with two of Denver's best young assets. And I don't even think it would cost that much to get him. I think it would. Really? He should, look at his numbers, man. Yeah, but he's, he's a, a 6'11 JJ Redick at the moment. Yeah. He's an unrestricted free agent next season. He's only, he's only making like. He does seem like the classic guy that a lot of playoff so teams would be So it has to be, be both after. guys, no Plumley. So you'd hold on to Plumley, which would just create a new logjam at power forward. Yeah, Maybe there's a second trade out there, though. Yeah. Because when, when you're putting Plumley into these trade packages, what it comes down to is, like you said, how much confidence do you have in playing Grant and, Plum, and Millsap at back of five full times? full-time yes you could go into the buyout market maybe like flirt with a tristan thompson or something but like how much confidence in the interim would you have to play grant and Millsap at bag of five i think you could get by doing it i do i too. think you could i think especially you, grant there i'm surprised we haven't seen that yet not to mention i think you can get away with it if you start that at the trade deadline at the end of february and you only have to survive march and april because quite frankly in the playoffs you're not i don't think you play Four bigs anyway. Yeah. Your rotation's already going to get cut down to three bigs, and maybe two sometimes, so why not? But to be a downer, (laughs) what did Michael Malone say last night? Mason Plumlee is the glue that holds the bench unit together? Hey, man. You're going to have to pry Mason Plumlee from Mike Malone's bare hands if you're this Nuggets front office. This is a decision, though, that I don't, you know, they would talk to him about it. I'm sure he would say exactly what you said. He He would kick. But Davis Bertans, to me, is what an elite shooter. And mm. you talk about Denver's offense needing to be better. Would the defense really fall off that much? Because, again, we're talking about him playing off the bench. With the, the bench unit's already struggling. I just To me, it's a win. I like that fit. Um, so, along these same lines. Starting the, Bert, the Bertans hype. I love it. <laughs> Harlow Ro- Robinson wants to know our thoughts on consolidation. It's tough because he loves every guy on the team and what they bring. So, we talked about what the deals are, potential deals, but – are they there yet? Do they have to do that? And and what's it like for Nuggets fans coming to terms with that? I think the answer is yeah. I think we are there. I think we're past there, honestly. And, and I didn't know this. So I don't. I don't blame anyone coming into the season. We don't skip steps. We're all excited about no, the model. Man. Yeah. Um, but the truth is, having too many guys has been one of the problems of the season. I mean, we talk about the musical chairs. You know, if MPJ just had to play, then he it, there would be none of this. There would be some growing pains or whatever. But. You know, Wancho is only going to lose value for Denver from here. Um, Malik Beasley, same thing. So I, I think consolidation is, is well past due. 
I mean, Beasley's the the obvious choice, right? And we saw it last night. I don't even think there was much of a thought about him getting playing time last night. No. And uh, th- that seems like the direction it's going to trend. So he's the guy who's going to be on the move, in my opinion. And I have a strong suspicion Nuggets will be able to get a first-round pick for him if they really want to. Man, and, and they would want the first-round pick. I don't even know if they want it to pick. Maybe they do. Maybe they have a guy in the draft. I think they, they would want just to have it because they're out of one next year. I, I agree with they that. They just would like that. It's the flexibility yeah, of it. Yeah, just but having I mean, that in their back pocket. Right, and if you can get it. But the objective has they to can be get consolidation, right? I mean, I, I think I think yeah. consolidation is huge, and that's why a pick is interesting. So, right. you know, December 15th, in addition to being the holiday, it also is sort of the unofficial opening of the trade season. Mm-hmm. And I would not be surprised, I said this a couple weeks ago, I would not be surprised if Denver made a trade early in the trade season and late. And if you have that plan of we're going to be a two-trade team this year, then you trade early and maybe you pick up that first with the thought in mind that we're probably going to unload that first later on down the line. So And now... <laughs> Now would be a perfect time to make that first trade. Yeah, I think because so. I talked about this on the pod last night. But these seven of these next nine at home, this is MPJ's trial run. This is when he's playing fifteen plus minutes a night, and you see if this guy is going to be a factor in the rotation for the rest of the season. If it doesn't work out over these next ten games, and maybe you pivot, but then you have a first round pick to work with. And the funny thing is. The flip side of that is your depth is great in case guys goes down, and Denver, luckily enough, knock on wood, has not had that happen so far this Mm -hmm. year. But here's the thing I think about. I I would trust Vanderbilt. Like, he doesn't belong in the rotation now, but is he the worst player in the NBA? No. Like, if he had to play 10 minutes a game for two weeks, I just don't think that would sink Denver's season. Same goes for Vlaco Chanchar. Same goes for P.J. Dozier. I just think Denver actually has enough guys now that – even if you lose some of your depth, you still have guys that won't kill your season if you have to mm-hmm. play them. A, a front office member once said to us, you know, sometimes it's okay for eight, you know, nine through twelve to not be right. great, you know, big time guys in your rotation. And maybe there's a lot of value in knowing who your yeah, eight are, you know, is. and and just being happy. Guys who are happy in their role, good teammates, and and you can sort of develop long term in the rest of the those. So spots. Malik Beasley's not happy in his role. PJ Dozier was playing ten minutes a game. Would he be happy? Yeah, yeah. over the moon. If Jared Vanderbilt was playing ten minutes a game, would it be the ten most hard fought minutes? Of course. So there is. I, I I'm with this. I actually mm-hmm. think if if push came to shove and Vanderbilt had to play ten minutes, you would get a dog for ten minutes. Mm. Quick from Periscope. Um, what would it cost to go after Iggy? Is, has that ship sailed? Kind of. I seems like he might. I sign feel like with. there's some belief that like him to L. A. is just a done deal. Like that's kind of been like a rumor since sure. the beginning of it happened. But I mean, I'm still on the uh, on the train of Iguodala would be a great fit in Denver. This is why the NBA sucks. I mean, it's so great for a thousand reasons. There's two or three that it sucks, but one of them is that. Like, yeah, I think I st- fan base doesn't want to hear it. I think Iguodala would be a huge piece, and um, unfortunately, it just sounds like it's not, not even an option for Denver. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I expect him to go to LA. Also, the, the asking price might be kind of high for him. Well, it'd probably be a first and something. Denver doesn't have first to be given up. And like you said, uh, yeah, I mean, there's also the thing of if Iguodala in his mind is going to L.A. and he gets to stay off till oh, February yeah. and all of a sudden February rolls around, he's going to Denver. And it's like negative five. Well, well, you would have to have some uh, some communication. Be like, 
all right, if we trade for you, are you going to like be pouting for these next three months because you're negative? not in L.A.? It's negative. <laughs> negative five in Denver? Come on. It's never negative five. Well, the one day that we trade for him. It you're will right. Be. <laughs> Every time the national media is here, yeah. it's yeah. horrible. Bomb cycle in 3.0. So uh, Harlow had another half to that question <laughs> that I'll tie into another one that also comes from CT underscore Fazio. Um, Harlow says it seems like inconsistent roles, minutes, and rotations have killed the vibe we had last year. And Fazio asked thoughts on Malone and how he's handled the rotation. So just that kind of general. Um, what do you guys think about the notion that the lack of a role, consistent role, has maybe affected some bench play? I mean, I, I you know, a lot of people have been blaming Malone for the uh, rotations and the poor bench play. I don't really blame him that much for it. Um, I honestly thought, along with the Nuggets, that this bench would be a killer coming into the season and Denver wanted wanted to kind of see it through like they, this bench unit worked really well last year and they just kind of wanted to give it some run this year and see if they could recapture that I don't blame them for that I really don't because it was very good last year um so no I don't blame Malone a lot for it I not for that reason and and I don't none of none of these things are all on one person. Yeah, um, that's a big part of it. And and so anytime you say like, oh yeah, I blame Malone for this, it sounds like you're putting all of it. Um, players have to figure out the role, accept it, or whatever. Like there, there's a, a personal ownership that I think every athlete has to take, and it's always lame when you say, well, my coach limited what I did. So there's that effort, that part of it. But I think the playing all bench and all starters lineup for as long as they have, I to me that was a mistake, and it is a big. But it reason. worked last year. No, there was always blended lineups, though. It wasn't to this level. They Denver? had a very high-used bench lineup that was Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, uh, Trey Lyles, Malik Beasley, and Mason Plumley, And it I, worked great. I think the fact that Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley are both just non-floor spacers, even though Jeremy Grant's starting to knock. Maybe if he knocks him down like this consistently because he's getting wide-open looks, then it is going to change the dynamic of that. I just have never thought he was a – like a true stretch four. I just thought he right. always was a guy that could knock that down on occasion. I think he's going to be streaky. I think he's oh, going to be a lot like last be streaky. night. But, um, but the, so I do think that Malone is moving towards the last couple games. We've seen more blended lineups. And to me, that's, that's, that's this team's final sort of form. Mm -hmm. So it's less so much like who's in and when, but just like, who are they with when they're on the court? Who they're with is the, such an important thing. Cause I've talked about this a lot. I, Torrey Craig is not a bad player. I don't like him in a starting lineup alongside Yoke, and I don't like him in lineups that feature two other non-floor spacers because that gives you three. And, you know, two floor, two, a team that plays two guys that can't space the floor is almost a death knell in today's NBA. But three, I mean, come on. Yeah. Do you guys think that uh, Craig and Porter Jr. are kept in yes. the rotation for the rest of the year? Uh, I'm not sure about Torrey Craig. I think Torrey Craig, there could be some games where he doesn't play. I think he should play, and I think he should play a lot um, in three guard lineups, or or as a two, um, not a ton. And I do think that the my fear with ever ever Torrey Craig coming in is I just worry he's going to be in every Jokic lineup. Like to me, that's that's the one I always I always mm -hmm. fear. Um, I think you have to limit those ones. But you know what? You look at it. Why not? You look at your bench unit. You got your starting five. Monte Morris is in. Mason Plumlee's in. Jeremy Grant's in. Michael Porter Jr. probably in. Who else is gonna? Is it gonna be Malik Tory? I to me, I, I, Wancho. To me, Tory is the clear option there. I think Tory's the the clear option too. Um, 
I just feel like there's going to be some games where he's playing 20 plus minutes and some games where he's playing like three minutes. Yeah, I think so I agree too. with that. Um, and even Porter, what was the question? Is Porter going to be in the rotation for the rest of the season? Yeah. I don't think that's a sure thing. Oh, yeah. That's I think that's far from a sure thing. This is this is his Isaiah Thomas moment. I yeah. think this 10 game stretch here where he's going to have a longer leash than Isaiah Thomas. But if he just is terrible, it's like, hey, man, we had that 10 game stretch. It. Cost us some game. He was awful. Right, right. But but if he is terrible, I bet he's going to get another shot in February. Oh, for sure. In yep. March. Yep. That's the difference, though. So maybe if you send him down, if he's re- that bad, maybe you even send him down to yeah. the G League to try to get him more. He'll, he'll get another shot. But though. if that brightest timeline plays out, right? They lean on him. They do go eight. Right. And two. If this he works for well, these next ten games, I mean, he's in, right? Which I'm predicting. Yeah, I'm predicting. Wow. I think MPJ is going to take five years before he's not making the defense. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah. that's going to be ten games. He's over it, but yeah. but he I, making shots. Can he make enough shots to make up for it? I think mm-hmm. yeah. Your friend Eugene uh, wants to know. It seems like every time a shot goes up or someone drives to the rim, MPJ also heads to the rim looking for putbacks and rebounds and dishes. Is that a moat strategy? I feel like I don't see many players do it so as consistently. Um, what do you like? Do you like it? Love it. Love it. There's you want to elaborate? Or? <laughs> so I always talk about a great Jokic player does a couple of different things. One, they space the floor because they're a three-point shooter. Mm. Two, they cut. He does that as well. The third is offensive rebound. It's the big third wheel of this whole equation because when you – it's funny that Malone has mentioned the lack of offensive rebounding because to me these things are all connected. If you are spacing the floor properly – Offensive rebounds come easier because the defense is so stretched out along the perimeter that there's just more avenues for you to crash. And, you know, Torrey Craig, this is the best thing he brings to the offense as he crashes the board. Wancho, one of the reasons I like him is because he does all three. Mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. does all three as well. And and for me, it's a huge, huge part of his game. I think it's huge also. It's it's also been something that we've noticed about him since the first minute the he jump. played. Yep. From the first preseason minute he played, we were like, real instinct. wow. Porter crashes the glass hard. He's got a nose for the ball. And he is very cognizant that he is much taller than most of the people defending him. He knows he's going to have like a three, four inch advantage lengthwise at at the rim going to get these offensive rebounds against opposing small forwards. And we heard from his teammates, right, about this as early as training camp. And even on media day, he said his focus is going to be on defense and rebounding. Defense will take a while, but we've seen it with rebounding. In Philly, Will Barton was asked by my guy Mike Singer, like, when he do you love the way he attacks the glass? And he was he he cut him off. He was like, love it, love it. It's Who exactly what we need from Will, Will Barton the third. Yeah. So, no, I just I think his teammates love it. I think it's a good attribute, and uh, this guy's offensive instincts um are as strong, way stronger than whatever the defensive I want, deficiencies. I want to put one other thing. We've all talked about this together. MPJ looks lost in half court sets. But he doesn't look lost in chaos, like mm-hmm. in free-flowing offense. Because like, it's a, yeah, that because feel. It's the feel. Like he has the feel for how to play. It's the structure of the game that gets a little confusing. And you need both. This isn't like a Nuggets need to just play in chaos. But I do think the it's a snowball effect because once you – I've talked about this a lot on Locked On and, and DNVR Nuggets podcast. NBA basketball at its highest level is you call a play to start a possession. But the play lasts five seconds, and then you're just in read and react basketball. From there, it's just like what happened that triggers the chain of events for everything to go after that. He's very good, I think, at that part of it. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, he's not very good at the first five seconds <laughs> knowing where he's supposed to be to start the play. Yeah. Uh, how would you guys handle retiring both either Jokic and Melo's jersey? Mm. Timely question. 
I think this is an easy choice. Um, you obviously retire Melo's jersey, but you don't do it until Jokic is, is in the rafters. I mean, unless Jokic like retires in two years. You know, if Jokic, you know, if he plays six, seven, eight years in Denver, you wait until Jokic is retired. You put his jersey up, then you put Melo's up. Would they do? Would they do that? There's should yeah, they? But I, think they, they yeah, I think they will, and I think that's what they will do. Yeah. So the Yankees have a player with the. To, there's two a uh, number retired twice, right? Somebody somebody told me this. Well, there's I mean there's Jackie Robinson and Mariano Rivera with the Yankees, the, 40, 42. The same number? Yeah. Or 42's retired across. Right, football. but oh. yeah. Oh, I see. I thought there was a Yankees player who had a uh, it was retired twice because it was There might be. similar situation to this where um a player got the number before the number was retired well, and that, yeah, also that was, became a Hall of Famer. That was the thing with Rivera, right? Because they, like, grandfathered a bunch of people in that had 42. Uh, okay. And that he was kind of the last one standing. And I think the only one that is, like, a Hall of Famer. So my thing is I think the answer is yes, and you end up with two 15s. And I know some people don't like that, but, like, to me, I actually think it's kind of cool. <laughs> I, I think it's – I don't think it's a big deal once both of them are hanging up in the rafters. No, I don't. It's, think. I don't think it would be a, a deal at all, to be honest. Ask Jokic, by the way, why he wore 15 in a classic fashion. Because in Serbia, the numbers were 1 through 15, and 15 was the biggest. <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't There's think, no story. There's no like. I don't think Jokic would uh, take it any kind of way if they also retired Melo's jersey. Oh yeah, come on, no, yeah. definitely wouldn't. I can't wait for the footage of Jokic during that ceremony. That is going to be so reluctant. He's going to be. Yeah, so I just, idiot. I just don't think they, I just don't think they should think about retiring that while Jokic is still playing. It wouldn't feel right. Oh, if it you would, forced it would feel Jokic forced. to change your number? No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't force him. It would just be the thing where they retire Mel's, but Jokic is still wearing fifteen. So it was retired for like three minutes between the ceremony and the tip off of the game for which they retired. It would be weird. It would be awkward. You wait until Jokic is done playing. You retire his jersey, then you can retire Mel's. How how do you think Carmelo would feel about having his number retired alongside Jokic's? Like, do you think he would care? Tough man, tough. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> well, actually, I would ask this question. So Melo last night was asked. Melo's doing the thing right now where he's like, "Oh, Denver, I love you. Oh, it's so great. I'm, I'm sorry. So you no, know, so I loved here it here. It. Oh, yeah, I want to come back. It should be retired here. <laughs> well, it's funny because he definitely." planted the seed of like i would love to return to denver someday and maybe he comes in a mike miller role like i don't know if carmelo the mentor is a real thing he might be more of a richard jefferson fifth year senior on a roster like this yeah. but could you see a scenario maybe two two three years from now where he took a job 15th bit like understanding you're not going to play you'll no. probably get a few token minutes you i can't oh i think he would Melo's gonna play if he's gonna stay active no but right now he believes he can and and you know what he's playing all right um but two years from now, three years from now, it might be like where it's so definitive. Of course, I don't have a role. And maybe there's a roster spot that's like, yes, it's a farewell tour. You're not going to play. But we'll retire your jersey We're going to retire your jersey. We're going to get you You'll one more year. You're going to be in front of the media. You're going to do all the media tours and never. <sighs> and we might get you five or six times a year. We're going to get you those token Mike Miller minutes when we're up by a bunch and you hit the feel-good jumper and the crowd just loves it. I bet he retires before that. If he's not playing 20 minutes a game, I bet he retires. Type of corny shit Denver loves, though, man. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Freaking love it. Oh, I'd um, be here for it, but I uh, well, also I did want to say though, he did have this this which I find to be the most interesting thing he said last night. He was asked where his jersey should rem- be retired, and it was almost asked as in like pick one, right? And he said, "I think it should be Denver, not New York, 
Which, by the way, having your jersey retired in New York historically is just cooler than having it retired in Denver. Right. So the fact that he said Denver to me, I thought was very interesting. And again, probably well, part of the PR tour he's on. But I mean, when you look at his time with the Knicks, it was not memorable. It, compared to what he did in Denver, the consecutive seven consecutive playoff appearances, four fifty-one seasons, or maybe just three fifty-one seasons, Western Conference Finals, he did so much more in Denver than he did in New York. It's not even comparable, and I think he feels that. It'd too. be hilarious if he never won at Pepsi Center after leaving, and then had to come back here to get his jersey retired. And they won a championship. Oh wow! He's probably never going <laughs> to win a game at Pepsi Center. Knock he's on gonna, wood, man. There's, he's gonna join like the, he's gonna join like the Suns next year and never win a game here. It would be just so incredible if that just lasted the whole way. It would be too perfect that I just know it won't happen. I'm out of questions, fellas. That's I do. It? I do gotta say though, on the mellow front, we barely talked about him last night. I felt like and we did. Yeah. It, it seems like, and I even put this out on Twitter earlier in the day yesterday. I was like, "What kind of reception are you gonna give Mellow when he's introduced?" And I got a ton of responses along the lines of. That was so far in the past. He did, did a lot for us. It's just, you know, past. It's just, it's over now. It happens. It is so far in the past. And this Nuggets, this Nuggets team is in such a new direction now. It just seems like a total non-factor. I, I think, I find the question actually extremely interesting. And, and I think it's one of those ones where it says more about you than it does about the situation. Just how you feel about Carmelo. And it's weird. I don't... And this again, this says a lot about me. I don't feel anything towards Carmelo. Like I just don't feel angry. I don't feel upset. He was the reason the Nuggets fell out of one of the ugliest slumps in all of Denver sports history. Mm-hmm. That so they, they won seventeen games the year before he got ninety five to two thousand three was just like unwatchable basketball, and that's such a long time. Mm-hmm. Is any of that though like a result of? that it played out well for Denver. Like he forced his way out, but the trade worked out, right? Yeah. Like if, if, if it had left you guys in another dark yes, age no and doubt. he's prospering, don't you feel differently? A hundred percent. Definitely. A hundred percent. If it would have led to another eight years of like, if we, right. think about how long is eight years. So Melo left in 2011. Imagine if this was the first time they had been even noteworthy since then. And I think mm-hmm. Melo's rookie year, they won 42 games. So imagine if this year Denver won 42 games and it was the best year that they'd had in a decade. That's yeah. how bad of a rut Denver was in. So for me, I think more about that than I think about how he left. To me, when he left, it sort of felt like the era was closing. Could they have won in 2010, 11, 12? Like, yeah, I think they could have kept it going and had some good moments. But I just I felt like it was nearing the end and maybe he backed out a couple a year earlier than what would have felt more natural. I'm a, a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan, so you can boo me from your laptop or whatever at home. And I remember when Albert Pujols left, and it was literally the worst thing. And I, I felt heartbroken as a fan, all those cliches. But time does heal, you know. Things move on, and it's been. Did he demand a trade though? Um, no, but he won it. He said it was all about winning, won a title, and then left for. The, a really because big if if the words like That's a lot of money, yeah, if Melo's trade request, <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. so much money. Because <laughs> if Melo's trade request never got public, and they just dealt him, I mean, that's pro- a bit of a crazy scenario because because like, like probably like never happened, right? Yeah. But the just the also fa- the Nuggets would have looked too bad, like they wouldn't yeah. have told Melo, like, like, yeah, we'll keep it a secret. Like, what like, the hell is this here. team doing? Yeah, yeah. people would have been like, boo the just Nuggets Mello guy. Um, for Gallo, but just <laughs> who I love, a, a player that was drafted to your team and led you to the place where Melo led Denver, and then requesting a trade. That that's like the ultimate knife in the heart for a fan base, and a fan base that's especially. 
like the Nuggets fan base. And let's not lie, he left Denver because New York is cooler. Yes, it, it was very much of a, like I'm breaking up for you for the hotter girl. Yesterday, he talks when I ask him about just like his time in Denver. He talks about how him and like that team totally changed the basketball culture in the city oh, and I whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah. I was gonna say, I was up. gonna ask both you guys and and I guess the fans at home, like. Do you want to hear it from Melo? Because he didn't come yes, back. You know what I, I mean? When you hear like, I do. oh, I wanted to come. I want my jersey retired. I want to hear it. Because he, never, why. It's he still, never did come back. Dude, again, to use this extended metaphor, it's a little bit like, okay, now you've landed on your feet. You've got the great job. Right, whatever. Yeah. Now it's to like, oh, oh, baby. Oh, it's so good to see yeah, you again. You're like, I'm yeah, glad you know, you're doing well. Yeah, yeah, look at me. and I'm doing, You see my new car out there? Yeah, it's a great one. Been running yeah. five yeah. miles a day. Yeah, exactly. Best shape yeah. of my life. Eating yeah. kale. Anyway, it's good to hear that you miss me. Well, I'm glad he visited Denver and gave all those good quotes now because the Blazers are now five and seven with Melo. So, Kill, you got something? You, you look like you uh, you wanted to chime in. Uh, he's just ready for us to wrap this up. I think. No, my neck was just a little sore. So I was like, yeah. Well, did a little S- bonus. Sleep on your back. A little bonus pod for you to send you off into your weekend. Trying to get those good vibes going. Uh, I'm feeling some good vibes. You feeling good vibes? Nuggets are trending up. I think. Yeah, I'm feeling some good vibes. December fifteenth moment. We're waiting for it. We're excited for it. Thanks for your questions. Where's don't your Where's your December fifteenth tattoo located? I've never <laughs> asked this. I don't think I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell. Oh, you. Can't plug, see it. Plug the Cramp list. stamp right there. Plug the list really quick and the finale of the list. Oh man! So the last two weeks we counted down the top fifty most important athletes. I think it turned out really, really cool. It's, you know, one of our goals here at DNVR, one of our main goals, if not goal number one, is to sort of bring. All of the different tribes of sports, Denver sports fanhood under one banner. And to me, this list is the best we have done as a group of, of doing that. Um, some great podcasts on the Denver sports podcast. If you're not subscribed, you're going to want to do that. I was personally on there, I think, four times over the last two weeks. Lots of really cool con- uh, conversations about the last decade and um, I, I'll say this. I'm a diehard Nuggets fan first and foremost. I love my Broncos, love the Rockies, love that. This is the year I've really started to get tried to get into the Avs, the the Rockies, and understand. And what a great year it is to get into those things. And as long as they're on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is also true. But but you know, there's something to. For me, Nuggets will always be number one by a mile. Sure. But it, there is something to just kind of getting to celebrate and learn from other people and, and feel. If you like the way the three of us present the Nuggets coverage, it's clear we love and have passion about the sport, the league, the team. Um, this, that's our MO here at DNVR. You can feel the passion when you listen to Rudo talking about the Avs or True talking about the Rockies. It's mm-hmm. it's contagious. I already know we have some DNVR Avs readers, fans, who have hopped on the Nuggets bandwagon. So Nuggets fans return the favor don't forget also we have tons of christmas stuff look at these stickers if you're on the periscope take a look so our sticker sweet. pack came in and there's these ones the as ones broncos rockies they're, they're so dope um and then we have the christmas box you can get two shirts you can get a gift sub uh some uh subscription which is just incredible so lots of really if you're last minute gift shopping the t-shirts are like a go-to you can't yeah, go wrong with for christmas or hanukkah <laughs> <laughs> happy hanukkah everybody <laughs>